So October is Domestic Violence Awareness Month, a time to honor victims and survivors of intimate partner violence. Uh, Chai Time is a longtime supporter of Daya, a Houston-based organization that provides support services for South Asian survivors of abuse. Joining us this morning is our um, Daya's Outreach and Volunteer Coordinator, Pam Odo, uh, to discuss how domestic violence occurs in the Desi American community and why we must all work together and end the cycle of violence. So let's get started. Welcome, Pam. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. It's so great to be back here. Yes, and your hair looks lovely. I think I've already oh, said that. <laughs> but I had to say it on air too. <laughs> I hope you're having a wonderful morning. I am. Like you were saying, the weather is so great this morning. Isn't it? Yeah, it's hard to not wake up and like with a smile and it's right? so nice. The like I, this always low. puts me in like the holiday spirit. Like, and I, you know I love my holidays so (laughs) (laughs) so um uh domestic violence uh awareness month is october correct yes so um october is domestic violence awareness month um what is the purpose of this month and what are some overall statistics you can bring to light yeah so domestic violence awareness month or like dvam for short is held throughout the month of october as a way to bring communities across the nation together to end domestic violence. Mm -hmm. DVAM was launched nationwide on October 1987, and over the past 30-plus years, much progress has been made to support domestic violence survivors and victims, to hold abusers accountable, and to create and update legislation to further these goals. Mm -hmm. And Daya's theme this year for Domestic Violence Awareness Month is Everyone Knows Someone. We really wanted to highlight how common domestic violence remains in the South Asian community. Two out of five South Asian women in the U.S. reported experiencing physical and or sexual abuse by their partner. That is a lot of people and people that most of us probably know. Um, In this study, like the two out of five was actually done prior to the pandemic. And we know that the, um, you know, COVID caused a global rise in domestic violence, including in the South Asian community in Houston. So this month, um, Daya invites advocates, loved ones, supporters, and community leaders to join together in solidarity to uplift survivors and help end the cycle of violence. Wow. You know, so yesterday um, during the day, I watched a movie called uh, it was it was a true uh, movie based off of a lady named Gabby Petito. This was like uh, national headline news, how she was in a relationship also. And it was a abusive relationship and how that didn't end well with for her. Um, She ended up passing away and the guy ended up shooting himself as well. I mean, he killed her and then he shot himself. But it was just so sad. And, you know, like and this is a true story. So just knowing that these things things exist and there's so much of it and mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that you know we come here uh, uh, yearly and do this kind of segments because it is important to spread these awareness and it is important for us to like let people know that hey there is help out there so if mm-hmm. you need help speak up and and I'm sure it's 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 easier said than done but um you know we are here and we want to be the voice of these people and we want to bring light to this and 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 just end the cycle of abuse. No, exactly. And um, yeah, like with the Gabby Petito case yes. with Sonia um, Khan over the summer yes. and Lateef Gore over the summer, like we hear these cases and it sounds so shocking, but the reality is that these instances like, might not occur to this extent, but it's very common in our community. And so it's really important that we educate ourselves so that we yes. can help 
make sure this ends in our community. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, who can be a survivor? So domestic violence does not discriminate. There's no like typical victim. Mm -hmm. Victims of domestic violence come from all walks of life, uh, varying age groups, all backgrounds, all communities, all education levels, all economic levels, all classes, all cultures, all ethnicities, all religions, all nationalities, wow. all abilities, and all lifestyles. Um, it can happen to those who were born in the U.S., those who've lived here for over 10 years, or those who've just moved to America. But there are you know, certain populations that are more vulnerable to domestic violence, uh, like those in the LGBTQIA community, um, especially trans women, uh, immigrants whose documentation status depends on their partner. Uh, those with disabilities in young women are at an increased risk for domestic violence, largely due to you know lacking systemic and social support. Yeah. Wow. And then what are some of the different types of abuse and what do you see most in the South Asian community? Yes, at its core, domestic violence is a pattern of behavior in any relationship that is used to gain or maintain power and control over a victim. Mm -hmm. Domestic violence exists on a continuum of behavior, so it's not just punching and slapping. Um, and it's rare that the first act of abuse is a violent one. Uh, power and control can be manifested into various forms of abuse, um, including but not limited to like physical abuse, mm -hmm. uh, financial, psychological, emotional, spiritual, verbal, sexual, and stalking. Um, and it often escalates over time. An abuser may initially be like charismatic and caring um, towards you before slowly starting to wear away at your self-esteem by criticizing you, implying that you aren't good enough, um, isolating you from your friends and family. And then it becomes less shocking and also harder to leave when that verbal abuse begins or when it segues into physical abuse. Yeah. Abusers, um, you know, push sexual boundaries by coercing, pressuring, threatening, or intimidating you into unwanted sexual activity, or even sexual assaulting you, or um, trying to trap you into a relationship with having a child with them. Um, so yeah, they're very uh, common tactics of abuse. Yeah. And then in the South Asian community specifically, um, mm -hmm. we often see power and control manifest through immigration abuse, in-law abuse, and transnational abandonment. Um, so immigration abuse occurs when abuser exploits the victims like visa or documentation status to exert control over their behaviors. Yeah. Like, for example, if you tell anyone I hit you, like you'll get deported and you won't be able to ever see your U.S. born children again. Oh my. Um, and then also many South Asian families in the U.S. living multi-generational households, including abusers and victims. And in many cases of domestic violence in the D.C. community, Victims who live with extended family, like their in-laws, um, they also contribute to the emotional, physical, and financial abuse. You know, that sauce, Bahu dynamic. Yeah. Is almost yeah. Like, like, yes. It's a comedic plot point yeah, in a lot yeah. of, like, you know, Desi serials. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it's a actual, it's a real issue, and people are getting harmed. People are getting hurt, and people are abused. Yeah. So it's something we need to take seriously. And Absolutely. Then, yeah, transnational abandonment um, is when a victim is abandoned in a country different from that of their abuser, often away from their child. Um, so this most common way that we kind of see this happen is a victim is left in the U.S. while the abuser returns to South Asia. Wow. Mm -hmm. You know, I always wonder what, like, the abuser, where that stems from. Is it something that happened during their childhood? They were 
you know, the man- abandonment issues. So they become more like, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, like more aggressive? More aggressive mm-hmm. or like, you know, just, just want that person all to themselves or like what are the issues that that this person, the abuser, has dealt with for them to become this person now as an adult. Like, I always wonder that. Like, I feel like there's always some kind of a reaction that happens because of, or for them to be this way now. So Yeah, no, it's a a great point. So abusive behavior, it's a learned behavior. It's something that they might have seen, like, as they were growing up, like, in their family. Like, it could have been um, one parent abusing another, or um, if they witnessed that somewhere else in their family or community. Yeah. So they saw that, that was modeled for them, and that's how they kind of think that relationships are supposed to be. So that's what they do. And then that's kind of reinforced a lot in what um, the messages that we have in, um, in society society and the media that we have like in movies how women are treated by their husbands and um songs how uh you know women are described or kind of degraded a little bit um so a lot of it is learned and a lot of it is like just generationally we've carried these same messages again and again and so it just perpetuates that cycle yeah that cycle needs to end it it needs to end with the future generation like now (laughs) i mean it needed to end yesterday but yeah 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 i'm so glad that you mentioned the society because as a society we we really need to change because uh like you know sasha was saying how does it start how does this begin and you said yeah because they learn Either the you know the parents are in you know, they see the parents yes. and they are going through that or uh, you know when they are into you know eligible to be get married yeah. then it's more like the parents are saying you know you are the husband you yes. are the authority and things like that and then we tell our girls that you know you got to listen to your husband mm. keep the family happy it's always keep the family happy yeah. Yeah, keep that the, like, yeah. yeah so you so, like, have your to make, feelings are undermined and right. you know everyone else's feelings are more right right that's so not right changing you know within our own society our our way of thinking yeah and like my son now he's a grown adult he's 28 years old but even when uh he was uh, in his late teens and he was dating you know he i would always tell him like you know you got to respect her make you know make sure you listen to her, you'll understand each other. And and I said to him, I said, if down the road, like she's always going to be my daughter first before my daughter-in-law. So keep that in mind. So I would, <laughs> so that's what I would say. So and But those that. are the conversations, you know, I think as yeah. parents we should have. We are now, we should pass all that, you know, whatever our parents taught us. There are many things, good things our parents have taught us. I'm not yes, saying absolutely. we have not learned anything, but there are certain things we need to, kind of discard too and yeah. you know use our better judgment absolutely right? and i love that you so you know you're teaching these things to your son because like you've already started that you started the cycle of it being a great start for him yeah. and knowing mentally that okay you know what i have to do right by my wife yes or my future wife yes so i, I love that and it started from your home so i mean like you know yeah as a so, parent you've given that good foundation to him yeah and even like when pam when you mentioned about uh you know emotional abuse Mm-hmm. And that that is true. Like, you know, like when we when I was at your fundraiser at, for Daya's fundraiser and the story that how it wasn't the physical abuse, it was the emotional abuse, the financial abuse. And that not only affects the mother, the wife, it affects the children, how it, you know, affected 
the kids as well, emotionally, yeah. physically, mentally, and everything, because yeah. seeing their mother going through that, you know, that, so that was a, that was such an eye opener too, because yes. in our minds, we always think, oh, you know, if there are bruises, there are, you know, there's physical abuse, then, you know, we know it is, yeah. you know, it's abuse, but then we don't realize sometimes it's emo emotional, exactly. Yeah. And those you cannot see. Yeah. Right. Those are the scars that are so in, you know, inside that you can't yeah. even like, you don't even realize it. Yeah. So that's, that was, um, you know, that was a an eye, eye opener, opener for yeah. and realizing that it's not only it's not only the 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 victim, it's you know it's the children that yeah. also gets affected. So yeah, we definitely. need to keep, I guess, you know, stressing on that as well. It's it just has a ripple effect on everything. Yeah, no, yeah, definitely. Um, this past weekend, I uh, went to this event with the Houston Coalition Against Hate, and they had this wonder wonderful author um, speak. Uh, her name is Valerie God. And um, she said this one thing that kind of just it stuck with me that we are the link between our ancestors and our descendants. Like whatever we have learned from the past, like it's on us to make sure that our descendants learn better. They know better. Like yeah. we are the we it's on us to give them that wisdom so yeah i really applaud you for like having those conversations like that's so important it's so easy to i guess diffuse that responsibility like oh like that's something you know their father can talk to them about or like that's yeah. something they're learned through their friends but you really need to take that responsibility and start having those conversations with their children yeah, so that way they can teach their children the same thing as well. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because yeah, because even if you like you watch movies and you you attend events and all that, but if you take what you've learned and you take it home and you make that into a conversation, you talk about it, you're making that change. Right. And you know, and yeah. you're taking those baby steps, but you're making that change because you're talking about what you uh, the the experience you went through where attending the event or you're reading that certain book. Yeah. Right. So yeah. when like now you're talking about it, Sasha, it's like, oh wow, you know, and then maybe somebody else would want to read and that how it just, you know, extends yes. to to different people. Absolutely. Yeah. I love that. Yeah, I like this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> so um, what services does Daya provide and who do you help? So Daya's focus on the South Asian community is to provide the culturally specific services that meet the needs of the victim and survivor. Mm -hmm. So through this focus, um, we are able to identify barriers for the community when it comes to accessing help and resources. And our services are tailored uh, to meet the needs and empower the individual to be safe mm -hmm. and make the choices that are right for them. Um, and so some of our services include our confidential helpline, 713-981-7645, answered Monday through Friday, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., uh, detailed and tailored safety planning at all stages, licensed professional counseling, including trauma therapy, assistance with navigating the criminal justice system, housing advocacy and civil and immigration legal advocacy, economic empowerment services, including resume assistance, and holistic case management and assistance with public benefits. And all of our services are free and open to anyone who is experiencing or has experienced abuse. Daya services are for adults, women or men, regardless of sexual orientation. And our staff speak the major South Asian languages, including Hindi and Urdu. Oh, wow. So... 
walk us through if a survivor is wanting help and they give you guys a call. So walk us through the steps that they go through. Right. Um, so our uh, whenever they call, like our helpline or if they email us, uh, the f- their kind of first person of contact is our client advocate, Elizabeth, who's our helpline advocate. And she is great. Um, whenever uh, she talks with clients, whenever they call, she'll kind of walk them through like and try to listen to their story, understand what's going on, um, where they are in their safety, what they've experienced, um, if they are in need of housing immediately. Uh, and then also kind of walk them through um, trying to like safety plan, like create a plan for if they're still in the relationship, how they can stay safe. If they're wanting to leave the relationship, how they can stay safe. If they have children, um, creating a plan that allows them to be part of the plan and also how they can stay safe. Mm-hmm. Um, and so from there, after that kind of initial assessment, uh, they are assigned to another client advocate who can work with them to provide them resources that they need, um, like financial assistance, housing oh. assistance. Um, and then I can also receive counseling at that as well. Um, and that um, there's no cap for that. They can receive services for however long they need, like throughout their healing journey. Wow. Okay. So um, what is the biggest barrier that South Asian survivors survivors um, face? Yeah. So South Asian survivors encounter many barriers to accessing support, including, you know, limited English proficiency, visa status, limited financial resources, lack of trust in systems, and isolation from family and friends. But I think the biggest barrier is the one that's sort of at the root of our community, and that is our culture of silence. South Asian culture is very entrenched in reputation and honor. And so that creates communities where um, uncomfortable topics or ones that could seemingly harm your isith are kind of hidden away and never discussed. And this mm-hmm. definitely includes domestic violence. And South Asian cultures often disempower individuals who are experiencing domestic violence from recognizing and reporting their victimization Victims and their family are so fearful of how the community will react, you know, like Lokya Kenge, um, and how they will react to their abuse. Um, so they keep silent um, because they don't have that support to disclose and that support to get help or to seek help for what's happening to them. And the reality is that keeping domestic violence a secret helps no one. It's uh, harming children and incurs substantial cost to society, and it serves to perpetuate abuse through those learned patterns of behavior. Oh, wow. So, sorry. No, no, so I, I just have a question, Pam. So, you know, for, uh, for older generations, how can we, um, you know, what can we do to help them kind of realize the situation or things that are happening? Uh, how do we, uh, as we are kind of in the middle of that generation, right? So how do we um, start making that change with our seniors, with our older generation? Right. Um, so also seniors themselves are also at risk for domestic violence for being abused as well. And I know it's kind of hard, like whenever you've been taught one thing for so many years, it's so kind of hard to unlearn that. But kind of just having very like soft conversations like, you know, how are you doing? Um, I recently learned about like this today or I learned that this could happen or someone told me about this that happened to them and um, like telling them stories that kind of relate to them, like someone who um, they could see themselves in. I feel like that would go a long way in helping them kind of um, feel safe to disclose or kind of learn more about like what the warning signs are like for, you know, friends and um, that they would also want to help as well. 
Okay, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah. So why do victims um, sometimes return or stay with the abuser? I'm so glad you asked this. Um, a lot of conversations about domestic violence kind of always comes back to, you know, why don't they just leave? Um, and for many victims, this is a very difficult and complex decision. Fear, lack of safe options, and inability to survive economically prevent many victims from leaving abusive relationships. You know, threats of harm, including death to the victim and their children, keep many victims trapped in abusive relationships. Um, and if you're economically dependent on someone and you depend on them to pay the bills or if they're the ones paying the mortgage or rent or putting food on the table, or if you're the one working and you can't afford childcare, that makes it so much harder to leave. Um, and I really wish that people could kind of put themselves in that situation. Like if you think like, if I had to all of a sudden leave my spouse, where am I going to go? Would you want to go to a shelter or be relocated but all of your family and everything that you know and your kid's school is in your old neighborhood? Um, you know, it's so easy to say for people to say, like, you know, you could go here. Um, they could do that. But I really wish that they could kind of, like, think, put themselves in, like, you know, other people's shoes. Like, yeah. would it be so easy for me to actually do that? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's very important to remember that um, it's a very difficult and complex decision and also that it's the most dangerous time for a victim as well as whenever they're attempting to leave the relationship or when the abuser kind of discovers that they've made plans to leave because they realize that they're losing that control. control. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad you mentioned that because, um, you know, the I, I think the last show I mentioned about one of my staff member who's not yes. working with us, right? And uh you know, because of Daya, honestly, I'm saying I learned uh, to kind I, I understand it better because of what you just mentioned. Mm -hmm. Earlier, there was a situation earlier in my life uh, with another friend and I was so angry. I was so frustrated and I never understood because I, I didn't put myself in her shoes. All I was like, you know, why don't you just leave? You know, not realizing it's not that easy. Yeah. But after, since you all have been coming to the show, talking about it, going over and over again, it has really changed me. Because when that happened uh, to one of my staff members, my approach was so different. I, you know, I told her, I, gave, I told her, you know, you... You come here if you want to talk about it. If you are ready, there are resources. I can share a helpline with you. There are uh, organizations that can help you. Or if you only want to talk, you know, you're, feel safe to come and talk to me. It will be confidential. It's not going to go out. And when you are ready and whenever you're ready, you know, you can you know, ask me for the helpline resources, I will provide it to you. So my 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 perspective, my way of thinking has really changed thanks to you guys. Like thanks to Daya. Honestly, yeah. because I it was so different before. Like I'm every time when you know when I uh, when y'all come to the show, I learn so much. Yeah. I learn how to I learned so many things, like even when I was like, for instance, going to the event, like the emotional abuse, you know, going to emotional abuse is also uh, abuse. So for me, I, that was such an eye opener, too. So, yeah. So thank you. 
Oh, just wanted to add that in. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Yeah, no, it was actually very similar for me as well. Like before I started at Daya, I also yeah. thought the same thing. Like, why don't they just leave? Like, there's so many options available to yeah. them. But yeah, like learning more about what they actually go through, that emotional abuse and how like it completely changes their way of thinking, changes the way that they see themselves. Like they feel like they don't have the capacity to leave, like they don't deserve to leave. And um, kind of learning about that and understanding the real dynamics of the abuse, it, it does make you realize how um, hard it is for survivors, how difficult that decision is. And yeah, it's I, especially when if it's like a family member, it's hard to kind of just respect their decision and to like support them and you just want to be like nope like yeah let me me yeah Yeah. Um, but no yeah it's um you want to make sure that they you don't want to be the person who keeps taking power away from them like Mm. you want them to come to decision on their own make them feel like they are in control of what's happening yeah and we take things for granted right because We we have we are not in that situation but we're saying oh it's so easy just go and open a bank account. What is what's so hard? You just go to the bank and you open an account. We don't even realize that because we're not that in that is, controlled situation. Yes, yeah. that is. It's not easy. Or you know, we we say like, yeah, just pick up the phone if you need help. Just pick up the phone. Yeah, it's not that we we don't even like think like no, their situation is so different, so different. and they've yeah. you know, especially even if they are sometimes they don't even realize that they are being controlled. Yeah. Right. When it comes to emotional abuse, you don't even realize it because everything is done for you. Uh, the sweet talk, the everything. And you don't even realize you're falling deeper and deeper into that situation. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, like because you're like, oh, he's taking care of me. Oh, he loves me. Oh, he's yeah. like, oh, why should I, I? I don't need to work. I'm at home. You know, he's providing, he's the provider. And that is the thing. Like, you know, we keep saying he is the provider, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah oh I goodness. know. I'm just like, you know, no, we need to change that. You know, it does, yeah, we are the provider. Yes. It's not, should, it not should be, it should not be he or she. It it's has to us. be us. We, yeah. you know, yeah. we are the And providers. that's the thing that you need to feed your kids too. Exactly. When you, when you talk to them, you have to talk to them as a family unit, not as daddy does this and daddy does that that it's mommy and daddy together that do everything correct yeah i totally so. agree yeah and you know sasha you have daughters so exactly. you, know, you always think you know like yeah. no i don't want to i have to teach them and then teach them to be independent yes teach them to you know see not uh, get too emotional with things you have to sometimes think yeah. with your mind and your heart absolutely right so you know the one thing that i admire oh you know what let's <laughs> let's go ahead and take a quick break and then i'll come back with what i admire <laughs> You're listening to 99.5 FM uh, with your Chai Times girls. We'll be right back. I was just like, okay, we need to go. We need to go. (laughs) Welcome back to Chai Time. For those of of you that have just tuned in, we are in conversation with Pam from Daya Houston. And we are um, discussing about Domestic Violence Awareness Month. Um, so before we were and on the break, we were talking about um, why do victims sometimes return or stay with the abusers? Um, I believe that was uh, something that was just an eye opener, right? Like just because of financial reasons, um, kids schooling, kids, it's, it's so many different um, aspects that makes the um, <laughs> the victim stay. I was like, "What's the word again?" I'm sorry. The victim stay. So, um, so what would it? What would make it easier for victims to seek help? 
Right. Um, so I wish, like, you know, instead of asking, like, why doesn't the victim leave? Yes. We should just make it easier for them to do so. Um, and so many domestic abuse victims live in lonely and isolated worlds. And, you know, as neighbors, friends, colleagues, family, we play a big role in supporting them. And so by letting them know that you're there and that you can provide them relief and courage, that goes a long way. Um, undoubtedly, however, it's not always easy to reach out and you might feel overwhelmed on like kind of knowing where to start. Yeah. Um, so like three simple but like kind of powerful ways to help domestic violence victims is like for one to learn the warning signs of abuse. Yeah. Uh, two, to kind of validate the victim's feelings, tell them that you believe them, um, don't like cast any judgment or don't do anything that makes it seem like you're doubting them. Um, and then three is to help them form a safety plan for either staying or leaving the relationship. Um, yeah, so these simple but um, yeah. three things go a long way in helping it e be easier for victims to seek help. So these are some of the things that you would help a person that is in an abusive relationship to seek help. Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Um, so why do people abuse and what are some of the warning signs? So domestic violence stems from a desire to gain and maintain power and control mm -hmm. over an intimate partner. Um, abusive people believe that they have the right to control and restrict their partner's lives. And often because they either believe their own feelings or needs should be the priority in the relationship or because they enjoy exerting that power that such abuse gives them. Tactics of abuse um, in any form may be aimed at dismantling equality in the relationship in order to make uh, sure that the partners feel less valuable um, and undeserving of respect. Um, and so because of that, many victims try to cover signs of abuse um, for a variety of reasons. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's important that we all learn about how abuse occurs, learn about the physical, behavioral, or emotional signs of abuse, and keep an eye out for them. Um, you know, black eyes, sprained wrists, dark marks on the neck, bruises on the arms are among the most obvious physical signs of abuse. Mm -hmm. um, and the victim, you know, may be someone who has low self-esteem or is overly apologetic or yeah. fearful or on edge. Um, they may have become withdrawn or distant and as though like isolating themselves from their friends and family. Um, and the UN's list of signs um, also includes financial abuse, uh, wherein like the victim is made dependent on the abuser. They uh, maintain total control over their financial resources. Um, and so this could be kind of shown by like the fact that they have limited access to money or they're forbidden to work. Um, or they're just like, oh, I can't pay for this. It's going to yeah. show up on the like charges. My husband's going to get mad at me. Um, so yeah, signs like that where like one off, it might not seem like a big deal, but altogether, like it's very clear that this is kind of a pattern of abuse and that they might need help. Oh, wow. So can abusers change? And do you offer couples counseling? So it is my most sincere hope that um, abusers can change. Yeah. Um, as I said before, you know, abuse is a learned behavior. Some people witness it in their own families growing up. Yeah. Others learn it from friends, uh, culture, media, or, you know, sexual inequities through our society, like how differently men and women are treated. Um, and no matter where abuses develop, um, such behaviors uh 
those who commit abusive acts make a choice in doing so, and they could also make a choice not to do so. Yeah. Um, so Daya has a longtime partnership with the Houston-based organization, AVDA, that offers a batterer's intervention program. Um, and so this program provides educational services to men and women who have been violent, abusive, or controlling um, in their intimate partner or family relationships. Um, so while Daya does not directly work with abusers, we can refer them to community partners who provide support. Um, and couple counseling is actually not recommended when domestic violence is present because the focus on is then put on the relationship and then there's this kind of implicit assumption that each person has contributed to the abusive behavior when in truth, the perpetrator is fully and solely responsible for mm -hmm. the abusive behavior. And um, because the batterer's goal is to maintain that control over the uh, relationship, any like interference on the part of the counselor may lead to an increase of their controlling behavior, further harming the victim. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm so glad you asked that question yeah. about a uh, relationship. I mean, wouldn't even think like we would think like going for counseling is uh, is an answer for it, right? Yeah. But I'm so glad you you brought that up and you know like cleared that that it, that would not help yeah. if, if in this situation. Yeah, like the abuser would basically just be blaming the the woman that it's all her fault. She's the yeah, and then you're trying to work. Yeah. You're trying to not break this. You're yeah. trying to you know like uh, mend this rela relationship, which yeah, should exactly. not be. Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And then right. also, yeah, like in families, I feel like a lot of time, like especially in our Daisy community, when if someone does say like, you know, my husband is treating this this way, like their instinct is to, you know, to get the families together, sit down and talk it through because hmm. that's yeah. what's always kind of been done. But that is like the message that you're giving the victim is that they need to keep quiet. They're disrupting the family that their needs are not more important than the family's needs. Yeah. So it's definitely don't um, talk to the like abuser and the victim together. They You need to put the victim first. Mm. Um, think about their needs, what would help them, how to get them to safety, rather than kind of don't put the relationship over the needs of the victim, I guess. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. So can abuse... Uh, <laughs> Why should we worry about domestic violence in someone else's relationship and how does it impact us? Yeah, so domestic violence can strain the people who witness, intervene, um, or simply just recognize the tragic realities of relationship abuse. Mm -hmm. It can be painful and draining um, you know, physically, mentally, emotionally, financially to watch the peoples in our life be abused. Yeah. Um, or be abusers. Um, so in that regard, we're all sort of impacted by any and all forms of abuse. And it's on each of us to take steps in our daily interactions to end and prevent future abusive behavior. Yeah. And moreover, domestic violence abusers are not only a risk, you know, to their partners and their family, but also to the community at large. Uh, violence um, brought by abusers can also lead to injury or death of everyday bystanders. Two out of three mass shootings were linked to domestic violence, um, like the shooting earlier this year in Uvalde, Texas, which started with an incident of domestic violence. So domestic violence is most definitely an urgent problem that we all must pay way more attention to. Yeah. You know, every time I hear about like domestic violence or abuse in any, any, any sort, I always wonder where are the families of these people? Like where are the parents of the abuser and the victim? 
Mm-hmm. Like, why are they not involved? Why don't they know anything? But then again, you think about it after like being on the show, like having you guys on the show so many times, we learned that the uh, the victim is so good at concealing their abuse that they, it's like a norm for them. And they don't like the, the parents or the family members, if they don't know what the signs to look for, they just don't know that this is even happening. Right. And that's so sad. It you know, like true. I can't imagine not my, my mom not being involved in my day to day and not knowing like I talk to my mom every single day. And she knows from the time I wake up to the time I go to sleep. So, like, she knows my whole, right? So, like, just thinking about that, I just think that, like, it's it must be so, they must be in such a situation where they have to hide themselves from their family members. Right. And then um, just, yeah, the, with the dynamics of abuse, like, they do, like, kind of feel like they need to keep it secret. And then yeah. if you add, you know, the cultural complexities on top of that, like, yeah. in our culture, like, if someone does kind of see, like, this is what's happening to them, a lot of times they're unfortunately shunned. Um, like, with Sonia Khan, like, she fled her abusive relationship. She got a divorce. Uh, but her family did not support her. They yeah. felt like she should have tried to prepare her marriage. She should have stayed. She shouldn't be so outspoken about the abuse that she was facing. And so that's really hard, I think, for a lot of South Asian survivors is – that like kind of risk or um or reality of not having your family support absolutely yeah or and even uh protecting our children mm-hmm. you yeah. know we think like uh we are protecting our children from all the harm we don't want it's okay we'll take all the abuse as long as we are keeping our kids uh safe right. yeah but that is not the case because children are so smart they see things they feel things they know what's going around in within the home environment you know in an abusive re- uh, relationship can you so, imagine like the emotional battle that they must be going through yes mm-hmm. yes and then sometimes it is it is the child that goes to the mother and say, you need to get out of this relationship, right? Right. That's when it it hits you like, oh, you know, my child is going through it mentally. So, you know, it's many times we think for our, not only, not for our sake, but for the children, we are doing it. But that is the, the, yeah. So I think the more we talk about it, the more we say, you know, like kids, kids are smart, kids are resilient. So they will, they know, they know you're not happy and this is not a happy home. And, mm-hmm. you know, they, there are, you need to kind of, like the child, it's him or her will tell you that yes. sometimes. Yes, Wow. Yeah. yeah, so true. So if we want to learn about domestic violence, where should we go? I'm so I love this question. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, compared to like you know, 20 years ago, there's yes. much more information available about domestic violence and way more easily um, accessible, like through the internet. Uh, the National Domestic Violence Hotline, um, the hotline.org, is a great resource for learning about the different forms of abuse and how domestic violence can occur in different populations or communities. Uh, the Asian Specific Institute on Gender-Based Violence, API-JBV.org, uh, is a great resource to learn about domestic violence in the South Asian community in the U.S. Um, and also the CDC website provides a lot of information on the scope and impact about domestic violence in the U.S. And of course, Daya's website is um, a great resource for learning how to get help um, and also how to help others in a domestic violence relationship. Okay. Awesome. Wow. That's a lot of resources. <laughs> what is the biggest misconception about domestic violence? 
Like there are so many like myths and untruths, but I think one of the most pervasive misconceptions is that domestic violence is bad. Um, but it happens, you know, like elsewhere. Like it doesn't happen in my community, my neighborhood, my culture, my religion, my family. Um, and that's just simply not true. Domestic violence can happen to anyone. Domestic violence happens to people of all educational and socioeconomic levels. Domestic violence happens in all races, religions, age groups, um, nationalities. Domestic violence occurs in both heterosexual and same-sex relationships. Um, and moreover, if you haven't personally experienced domestic violence, you will definitely know someone who has. Everyone knows someone. And then what do you think will end domestic violence? Um, so I do truly believe that ending the cycle of violence is possible. Like, I don't think it's going to happen like this year, but eventually down the road, I think that's something that we all can possibly work towards. Um, but to achieve that, we all need to be part of the solution. Um, so educating yourself and others, helping a friend who is being abused, speaking up and being an engaged bystanders are always you can help. Um, but mostly we have to change that culture of silence that perpetuates abusive behavior. We should also talk openly about domestic violence. Um, parents should talk to their kids about healthy and unhealthy relationships, keep communication open with their teens as they navigate relationships. Um, and this will help to reduce and prevent future abusive relationships. Yeah. Um, so the more we talk openly and not make, you know, domestic violence a taboo topic, this will make it easier for people to seek help. If we work together, create a culture that believes victims and centers their stories while also holding abusers accountable, we will build safer communities for survivors to heal and thrive. You know, earlier you said that it is a learned behavior. And then you said that it's, it's, we, we need to, right now, you just said we need to educate our children. I feel like we need to have a show on, on this and how to talk to our children, um, to look for signs of, you know, uh, bad behaviors or abusive behaviors or things like that. So they also learn because, I mean, as mentioned, it is a learned behavior. So how can we unlearn the bad and relearn the good? <laughs> Yeah. If that makes sense. Like, I, I feel like this is a show that needs to happen, like, especially for the kids. No, yeah, definitely. And um, the earlier that you can have these types of conversation, like if you can have it when they're in like third or fourth, fifth grade, like yeah. maybe not as in depth, but just kind of yeah. like talking about generally, like, this is like how you should be treated. This is not how you should be treated. Yeah. Or this is how you should treat others. This is not how you should treat others. Yeah. Like starting with more like basic language yeah. um, gives them the tools that they need to Absolutely. be safe. Yeah. Like so with my kids, like I, these are conversations we have all the time. So like on our drive home or drive to school, we'll talk about like the no touch zones or or like uh, I've shown them a video of that or even just conversations of how other kids treat them. And if they are uncomfortable to walk away right. or go tell a teacher, mm -hmm. you know, depending on the situation. But yeah, so I, I feel like these conversations need to be had as I mean, these are conversations I was having with my kids when they were in second grade. So now they're in third and sixth grade. But yeah, so I, I feel like, the, yeah, absolutely. These are important conversations we need to have. Yeah. And I think also like, um, you know, with um, dads, like when, you know, with especially with their boys, they want them to be tough, yeah. like be tough. <laughs> you know, if someone is, uh, you know, someone is like joking with you and you don't like it, go just be tough. 
or, uh, you know, go smack him. Yeah. You know, so those things we need to prevent saying, yes. pre- prevent from saying all those things to our boys, because mm-hmm. then it's not, you know, the being tough is not fighting back. Being tough is not, you know, we yeah. need to we need to teach them that. Because that is what's happening, right? There are like in our own friend circle, I've heard uh, stories where where the dad goes, oh, I taught my son to be tough when he's in school. And, uh, you know, if someone is taken away his, uh, like if they're in the playground and some, something's happened, I just tell him, just go beat him up. Mm-hmm. And that is not normal. And then what happens is in that situation, we, we as friends are keeping quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, we are not saying that's not the way it should be. Yeah. You know, we, so we as friends also have to speak up if we are in that, you know, in that yeah. surrounding, because a lot of the dads do that. You got to be tough, man. Yeah. You, you know, this world is not easy mm-hmm. and things like that. But, you know, we need to change our ways of communication. Yes. Our, our, you know, how we talk to the kids. That's why the yeah. boys have like, oh, I got to be tough. Yeah. I got to show my, you know, like I'm, I'm the guy. Yes. So, and then, you know, from little boys and then they grow up like that, their mentality, yeah. their, their way of thinking. Absolutely. And then they forget. I mean, they start not only, you know, fighting or, you know, snatching the toy or things like that, not using uh, words. Yeah. They are more physical, right? Yeah. And then it, it goes to the girls then. And, you know, you fight with other yeah. um, kids than yes. their girls. So yeah. it's like you have to teach them. I think a lot has to do with the parenting skills Absolutely. that we have to kind of change or even speak up. Yeah. That, you know, and that's why, like, um, Pam and Tisha, when you all come on and, you know, that also uh, encourages us and tells us, OK, we have been in this situation. We need to speak up, too. Yeah. We, we're not we in be front, better. but, you know, maybe take the take the friend aside and say, you know, I don't think we you know, you should be talking like that or teaching your son this way. Yeah. So having that conversation. Absolutely. Right. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. 100 percent. Um, so what does healing and justice look like for survivors of Daya? So Daya's mission is to empower survivors of abuse, and that means meeting our clients where they are and helping them rebuild lives of safety on their own terms. Survivors of abuse have already had so much individual control and power stripped away from them while they were in their abusive relationships, and we definitely don't want to add to that by telling our clients like what they should do, what they shouldn't do. Uh, we truly listen to what the client kind of says that they need and let them dictate their goals of safety of independence and financial freedom. Um, and so through helping them rebuild their autonomy and sense of self, survivors can heal and receive justice from the safety of being free from their abuser. Okay. And then how can we help? Uh, so first and foremost, um, educate yourself and others on domestic violence. And like Lynn was just saying, like having those like conversations, yeah. um, th- like at the grassroots level. Um, and it's these, this education and these conversations are those kind of, uh, they're key in that fundamental step in preventing and ending that cycle of violence. Um, and I also has a lot of informational videos and, in, um, about domestic violence on our YouTube page at Daya Houston. Um, and we can also bring in, um, or host expert speakers, uh, from Daya to educate and build awareness about DV, like at your workplace as well. Like we've gone to hospitals hospitals, um, to banks, to different corporations, and kind of talk to them about domestic violence, because obviously that's not something that just 
it ends like right when you enter your office door. Um, and so we can also, it's important to learn about how to help victims of abuse um, from victims of abuse. So kind of listening to those around you um, and helping um, learn about the resources available so that you can adequately help refer victims to DIA and or other kind of resources or agencies that they mm-hmm. need. Um, but more importantly, we also need to, as a community, take that mindset of not blaming the victim. We have to believe survivors, ensure they get access to services. Um, and then you can also support DIA in the work that we do by donating or volunteering, which will directly benefit survivors. Um, and again, it's really on all of us to work together to create Absolutely. a culture that protects and empowers survivors. Absolutely. And what is the one thing that you want the listeners to take away from this conversation? I would say that, you know, domestic violence, it's not a private matter, just a women's issue. It's a public health crisis that's affecting all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, and at Daya, we want to remind you that if you are a victim of abuse, you're not alone and you definitely do not deserve this. Um, give us a call at 713-981-7645 or go to our website, dayahouston.org, to connect with a client advocate today. Awesome. And then are there any events coming up? Um, yeah, so we have three great events coming up this month. Um, the first is Fight Back Against Domestic Violence, uh, which is an event in partnership with Spar Boxing Gym on October 15th. Oh, wow. And then we'll host a webinar on October 25th, uh, DB uh, 101, which will be kind of a deeper dive of what we discussed today. And then our third event will ho- uh, co-host um, our annual Faith and Family Violence Training on October 27th to help religious leaders kind of understand and learn how to address domestic violence in their communities. Wow. So, yeah, a lot to do. Yes. <laughs> You're <not> always busy. <laughs> no, but it, it's it's wonderful whatever you're doing. And, yeah. you know, um, seeing the support from the community, being at that event. And uh, there are so many uh, people that uh, I spoke to personally. And uh, they said that because this is done locally, it is, uh, you know, it's local. They are helping yeah. uh, men, women in Houston itself. So, it. you know, that is why we are supporting them. And they're doing such great work in, in the South Asian community. It was really uh, very, very heartwarming and really good to see and uh, talk to so many uh, people out there. You know, when you oh, just ask them why, yeah. it's so good to see you, you know, like, uh, how did you get associated with Daya? And then, yeah. you know, the, all the stories come out <laughs> in in a positive way. Yeah. yeah. So that's Next that's event, good. I'm going to be there too. With you. Yeah, you have <laughs> like, to. I, like, wow, that sounds so interesting. <laughs> Interesting. Next event, all the girls will come. <laughs> we would love you guys to be there. And yeah, we're so grateful. Like 26 years of the community support has been wonderful. And yeah, we're looking for 26 more. 26 um, years. Wow. That takes a lot of heart. <laughs> but thank you so much for um, coming on the show and just enlightening us with all this, um, you know, it, it, just sharing about domestic violence. I think hopefully this will make a difference in a lot of people's lives and people have learned from the show. I know I have and I know Lynn has. Yes. Um, um, and uh, again, thank you so much for giving your time and, um, you know, helping the community. So we appreciate you. We appreciate Daya Houston. Um, listeners, thank you for tuning in here with us on Chai Time at 99.5 FM. We love you guys. Until next week, we will see you then. Take care. Bye-bye.